Hey, everybody. Uh, I know it's been a while since we've had an episode. Uh, if you're listening to these in order, you don't notice that. But a guy I go to church with, Chris Phillips, is uh, he's a veteran. And so me and him got talking one day about doing an episode, and I asked him to uh, give me what he thinks. Tell me what you're passionate about. And so he came to me and said he had one. So um, I'm just going to warn you that we go everywhere. We follow every rabbit in the field. And I'm sorry for that, but that's just, you know, that's just the way he and I are at all times anyway. So without any further ado, enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Under the Cloud podcast. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the day. We thank you for this opportunity to come together to talk about you and to reach your people in a, in a new and in fun way. Lord, we thank you for the time that you give us to, with one another that we can um, even have these conversations. We thank you for your love and support. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the son uh, who died on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Okay, everybody. Today we have a guy that I go to church with, which is... Unfortunately, going to be that way for a little while until you get a little bit more experience. But, um, and uh, Chris Phillips um, goes to my church, and he and I actually have run into each other, you know, just kind of high. But it wasn't until about a month ago that we got started talking in the parking lot, and then all of a sudden it's like eleven o'clock. We're like, oh, we got to go. Yeah. And um, and Chris is um, army, and so that was part of our conversation. And then he's a, a police officer in Rose Pine, right, um, Louisiana, uh, which was also part of our conversation. And uh, and I told him, I said, hey, I'd really like to get you on, but tell me something you're passionate about, and uh, that way the conversation will go a little smoother instead of trying to force a conversation. But um, so, Chris, thanks for being a part of this. I appreciate it. And uh, what do you got to talk about? Well, <laughs> when you asked me the question, it was. Uh... I had to ponder it and I had to pray over it and I had to ponder over it some more because what I thought my answer was, was not what God wanted me to say. And I believe that's strictly because the the one thing I am passionate about is helping people. And it's not like, you know, going out of my way. It's just, I'm placed in instances where I can, um, going back. I mean, you can see all this stuff on the wall here. I've done emergency response for since 1997 and whether it was in a volunteer setting, whether I worked as an EMT paramedic or uh, now in the latter years as an officer, because believe it or not, it's actually less physically stressful. <laughs> um, but even Especially uh, a small town like Rosebud. Yeah. I mean, if we have to go hands on, usually, usually it's more like, Hey, you get in the car type situations. Yeah. Cause we know who we're dealing with most of the time. But I mean, there's times that we, that I've had to get physical, but it really didn't amount much. Thank God. Um, but uh, I even did a, a stint um, with the state as a veterans, they call it a veterans assistance counselor. Essentially, what we did was we assisted vets with their claims with the VA, and then there were some state benefits we administered, and a lot of times it was, I mean, I honestly had vets come in just want to vent for an hour, Yeah. and um, I felt better um, when they've left, because my whole thing, if I, if I come in contact with someone, I want to at least try to see a little bit of a smile before I leave, yeah. because most of the time... For most of my life, when I've encountered people, it's not been the best uh, situations in their life. House fire, a loved one's hurt, or I actually have to, you know, uh, work law enforcement and tell people that, nope, that's not the way it's going to go. Yeah. So. Yeah, the, 
So, so serving is a massive part of who, of what you feel passionate about helping people and stuff. So that, that kind of fits why you would be willing to join the military. That's, that's why you're, you know, like you said, at EMT, then you work with uh, police departments such as that. Mm-hmm. And then working with a VA, because I'm sure um, working with a VA setup, uh, which you, you ha- you're going to listen. The first thing that's going to be on the phone call is somebody's upset, most likely. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to calm them down. Then you have to help them deal with it. And, uh, and then... And I, I, if it would be frustrating for me working with them, uh, because I would know that there's a chance that whatever we solve today will be overridden and it'll go back to nothing. And so it kind of would become frustrating on my part. I'm trying to help this person, right? And and then they, you know, they they even go as far as to to thank me, and I'm like, okay. And I, I now just hope that the bureaucrats up top keep going with what we had set forth. And, well, and that was the interesting thing when I was in Leesville and then later on in Lake Charles as the supervisor down there, uh, I never answered phones simply because uh, in Leesville, I was averaging somewhere between 30 and 40 veterans a day dang. coming through the office. Uh, and then in, in Lake Charles, we actually had a, a receptionist type person who would answer the phones and uh, take care of stuff that she could take care of. Uh, but the you know going back when you you talk about serving um one of the things that pops in my mind is my dad i mean he was a he was a 20-year marine retired out of the marine corps uh lost him about a year and a half ago um but he also served with the vernon parish sheriff's office as a reserve no pay no you know do his 24 hours a month and he did that for close to 20 years and so my brother and I both that kind of instilled that in us. Uh, my grandfather served in World War II as a Pacific Marine. Now he didn't actually get into theater; he was on a boat headed towards the Pacific, yeah. and the the armistice was signed, or the the tr- treaty was signed, and he came back, served out his hitch, and went back yeah. to Montana. And then my son served until he got hurt, uh, tore up his shoulder, and now my stepdaughter. I mean, I call her my daughter, but my stepdaughter just got promoted to E5 yesterday with the Louisiana Guard, mm-hmm. and she's the recruiter here in Derrida now. Oh, man. Yeah. We're a branch. Uh, National Guard, Army National Guard. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, uh, weekend warriors. I mean, that's <laughs> no, where... No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm just I just kind of... Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to... It's one of them things where I will point that out if it's us, mm-hmm. but I don't want everybody to think that... I disvalue them because they're very important. They do a lot of stuff. A lot of National Guard uh, people, personnel have died in wars for this country. And so they it doesn't lessen what their sacrifice was uh, more, more, since it was Memorial Day weekend. It doesn't lessen their sacrifice. But if we're sitting around talking, it's going, there's going to have that, that com, you know, that back and forth. And, and uh, it's, it's just always fun. Well, it, well, and I started out in the Guard. Yeah. Until Desert Storm and then rolled over to active duty in the state. Man, how old are you? I'll be 50 in August. I didn't. Was I? I guess that was what, 91? Yeah, 90. Well, it started in 90. Uh, the brigade, the. I don't know if you, you know, you weren't in this area then. but No, uh, I was in North Carolina. There was a part of the Louisiana brigade that got activated, went to Fort Hood, and then most of the battalion went AWOL. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And it's just a big, uh, it was a lot of stink at all levels for that. But wow. no. Um, that's, that's, so for those who don't know, AWOL is absent yeah. without leave, which right. means they left. It's actually, it's bad, but if they do it in a time of war, it's called deserter status. Mm-hmm. And deserter status is punishable by death. It is. And, um, and, and there was a lot of do that. backstory. I won't say it was actually justified or not, but... Uh, honestly, in some ways it was, yeah. uh, just because of the push the army was trying to give the brigade to become combat ready. Yeah. And they were back to back FDXs for 90 days. You got to throw in acronyms out. FDX. FDX it? is a field training exercise. Okay. Uh, so remember most of these people don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Right. Uh, <laughs> they were, they were basically playing in the woods at Fort Hood for 90 days straight. Fort Hood's in Oklahoma. Uh, no, Texas. Fort, yeah, yeah. Killeen, okay, Texas. Killeen, yeah. Uh, and... I'm not saying it was justified. I, I feel like there were other routes they could have taken, but I wasn't there, so I really yeah. don't know. 
uh, in some of the back channel I got from like my first sergeant who was a liaison over there. He's like, no, they were pretty much at the end of their rope. Yeah. Fed up. So, uh, but no, um, I, you, you talked about that, uh, picking on services and we all do it. Oh yeah. We love each other. We're all brothers, Absolutely. but, and, and well, and sisters, but given half the chance, yes, we will cut down our sister services. You know, um, I saw a meme the other day that said something like the space force is just a, Department of the Air Force <laughs> and the entire Marine Corps just kind of looks. So, yeah, and I tagged all the Marines I knew yeah, in that one. Yeah, and you said shots fired, and I was just like, over the port bow. You know? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, and that's always the fun thing. Uh, it's, it, it is one of those brotherhood things where you, I can make fun of you, and you can make fun of me, but, you know, if you've never never raised your hand and swore in and took the oath, then, then how dare you, you know, we'll all defend each other. Right. Um, and, and that, that's kind of fun. And I've always enjoyed that about the whole, uh, about that relationship. It's know. a camaraderie that, um, you know, there's a the quote goes around says veteran is someone who at some point in his life has written a check up to and including death, death for his yeah. country. And, you know, my dad was a hardcore conservative. Yeah. But I mean, that was his, his creed, you know, he, he talked about, well, he retired out of the Marine Corps and then he retired from civil service at Fort Polk. And his, his thing was, I want to go out and see the country that I protected for 20 yeah. years. Well, actually for 43 40, yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, and then he became ill. And my opinion, my mother's opinion, it was complications from Agent Orange. But yeah. you never can tell. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. And, you know, when he passed, they put, put it down as dementia. So, you know. Well, so the other day, um, no, let me let me backtrack. I want to tell this since you brought up servanthood. Um, of course, I joined the Navy. I was and my first job was washing dishes, right? And it was a little restaurant in North Carolina, Franklin, North Carolina, called Sunset. Um, and if there's any if there's any more of a servant job, is a 15 year old kid in the back of this restaurant slinging dishes as fast as they can. Um, and then I worked in a grocery store, bagging groceries, and then um, running the register. And then I did construction here and there, and joined the Navy. And and I felt I had a a really good group of guys around me that really made. And it was a former Marine that was part of my little group, uh, who's in the Navy then, who really instilled how we're here for the people in Omaha. You know, we're here for the people in Fort Lauderdale. We're here for. You know, yeah, you're just in the Navy and you're just taking classes, right? And you just don't feel – because there was a lot of times we felt like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And, of course, he being an E-5 Marine. Actually, we found out later he was Force Recon in the Marine Corps. I mean, he's like Special he's Forces, hardcore. yeah. And so he, he gets out, you know, joins the, and joins the Navy later. But um, it, he made it real to – he made the, 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 the servant part of the military relevant to me, you know. My dad always told me when I was a kid I was going to join the Navy, and so part of me was joined because I was always told I was going to. But then, I really wanted to. You know, I had I had a great uncle that was in World War II, and he they, he kept going AWOL, and they kept having to come back and get him. And and they had a little Dixie cup white hat with his, you know, and I could wear it. I could actually fit it, you know. And uh, so I'd walk around the house with it, and and uh, and such as that. And so it was kind of neat and something to to look forward to. Um, of course, a lot of my family was in the, not all, but a lot of my family was military and, and, and of course, but then in ministry, there's a lot, there's a, I have great uncles who are pastors. I have my dad pastored, uh, teaches now, uh, at the church He's one of the main teachers in the Sunday school for the sanctuary class, which is basically like a sermon because there's so many people, there's no interaction with him talking. Uh, he does a fantastic job teaching people. Um, and then my mom's in ministry with her church and, you know, singing and she helps with her, uh, mom and dad and she, you know, or her, my papa passed away years ago, but she's been, a, you know, serving and I've seen it my whole life. I've seen servanthood and, and of course joining the military, but the job I do now building power lines, it's just a job. You know, we have to have power lines. We right. have to have electricity. And you don't think about the fact that these microphones are working because there's electricity. And air conditioning. And air conditioning. <laughs> uh, in Louisiana, thank you, Lord. And um, But one of the things that I didn't really think about this being a servant job until Hurricane Harvey. 
Right. And I'm walking in Jasper, Texas, in, in chest deep water, chasing down a down power line. You know, that's you know trying to find it. And there's alligators, and there's giant balls of fire ants, and there's uh, uh, snakes and water moccasins. And we got this kid from California, and he's freaking out because there's an alligator on the bank, and then it hops in the water, and we don't really know where it went. And and uh, it was, and I didn't really think about it being a, a servant job until people were till we flipped lights on that people who hadn't had power in a few days and they're like, thank you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess this is one of those type of jobs, you know, you say that. And my mind goes back to uh, hurricane Rita. Uh, yeah. At that point, that was in Oh five. Yeah. I was a fire chief out in around the Fairview area, which is about a half an hour East of Dritter where we're at now. And we were without power for three weeks. Is and, that Grant? Yeah. Grant. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what we did is we would send, we had a pickup truck with an engineer bed and a 16-foot trailer. We would send it to Overland twice a day for MREs, for water, whatever we could fit on that trailer and that three-quarter ton pickup. But it got to a point where we were able to free up some people. We had teenagers coming helping us and all that, so we were able to free up some of our fire trucks to actually go out and survey after uh, i mean the cleanup was pretty much done but we had like duke energy down here helping us oh yeah uh we had uh one outfit from arkansas i don't remember what if they were energy or who it might have been someone else back then but one thing i told them i said you've encountered these crews you tell them to come to the fire station because we had the red cross they were doing hot meals i said and if nothing else give them water give them gatorade whatever we can give them uh said because they're the ones that's going to get us back up and running and you know, we would have the bucket trucks come by at late in the evenings. I don't know where they were staging from, but we made sure we tried to keep back some of the hot meals for them because, I mean, it's a thankless job. It really is. And and most of your work is unseen. Especially once the lights come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, once yeah. the lights come on, they're, it, it's thank you, thank you, thank you. Why are you still in my yard? Get out of my yard. Go away. Yeah, well, and, and I when and I'm about that fast. <laughs> I worked for Grid One uh, Utilities for a while as a safety supervisor, and we were doing the meter installs for Clico. We were doing everything from, you know, 240S meters all the way up to 480, three, uh, three phase and all that. And you've never seen people get irate until you pull their meter to put a new one in and they actually come out, what the big blank are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, well, we're, we're doing this for Clico. If you have a problem, call them, please. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, we do that. We deal with that all the time. But the other day I was thinking about, um, I'm literally in Deweyville and in Deweyville, Texas, uh, just on the other side of the river, is swamp. Mm -hmm. It is horrible. And we're walking through basically, you know, just my my rubber boots go up pretty high, and and I was getting water in my rubber boots, not a lot, but enough to where it was like, man, what's the, yeah. And so I was thinking about kind of what you was talking about with your dad. I was thinking about like, am I making an impact on the world here? You know, like what am I doing? Okay, is it? But and I think that a lot of us can can forget that we are all individual cogs in a giant system you know is it is a it is a very intricate watch that it takes so many different things to happen in order for it to work the way it's supposed to you take a watch from switzerland in the 1800s and you take one little peg out of it one little you know tooth out of one itty bitty have you ever seen the inside of how those oh, yeah. things are it throws the whole watch off. Time won't stay right. It just messes up, or it'll lock down. It won't work. It'll just freeze. And 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 I think that a lot of times we forget that every job, every legitimate job in the United States, is actually a part of a system. It's a it's an ecosystem in and of itself where we have to have the ability to 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 build houses or so. You know, there's an old movie. Or there's a quote in the that said, and the world the world needs ditch diggers too, you know. Right. Um, and most people don't want to do that because it's a demeaning job. But I mean, I don't personally ever want to be the person out on the highway flipping the sl stop slow sign, you know. But think about okay, so you got the stop slow sign person, right? Yeah. They stand in the sun all day long, making twenty five dollars an hour. Most of them people. Well, and I they mean, make they more than that. some of the people who actually are uh, slinging asphalt. Yeah, 
And that's a dangerous job. I know yeah. uh, my aunt up in Montana did that for a couple summers, and they were paying him like a huge amount because they had had a couple killed. Because back in in Montana, back in those days, there, no speed limit. <laughs> there, well, the speed there was a speed limit. It was more of a suggestion because you could post the bond with the trooper if you got pulled over. I don't know how all that worked, but yeah. he'd write you a ticket. You give him, you keep a bunch of fives in your uh, glove box, according to my father, and you just like here you go, and he'd write you a receipt right there on the side of the road, and you know nothing more was said. But I, I, I wouldn't envy it either. I mean, I've done stuff, you've done stuff, and we've been out in the middle of nowhere or or, or what have you, and just just be completely wasted at the end of the day but they're out there doing it every day and doing nothing and doing nothing that was what drive me nuts if i could listen to music or something that'd be fine but they have to be able to listen to what's going on i'm just i mean when i was a kid i remember there's a they were doing construction in our town and there was a it rained them out and there's a lady showed up to church and that's what she did you mm-hmm. know and i remember just thinking no way <laughs> you know like that i would i would rather I would rather be a Marine, you know, like, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking because anytime you flip that sign over to stop, you've inconvenienced someone. Yeah. And I mean, it, it makes me how I feel when I have to pull someone over for and write them a citation, yeah. you know, I've just inconvenienced them, but you know, I just clocked you doing 71 and 45. So, yeah. you, you know, at that point I'm so little, you're the speed trap <laughs> yeah yeah according to the sign yeah uh in and, fact, for, and and just real quick i want to say this because i know <laughs> you okay if you're speeding over the posted speed limit it's not a speed trap Mm-mm. okay because you're speeding you're breaking the law you know like where a speed trap a technical phrase of a speed trap is when someone pulls you over for what someone else clocked you at right that and that's the that's legal. Slash, the one that pulls you over has to wait for the guy to show up to give you the ticket. The one that scans you is the one that has to give you the ticket. Well, no, he has to sign the ticket. Sign the ticket. Yeah. Um, We're getting off see, a rabbit hole, but I'm yeah, curious. I know. But you'll see them on like I ten, especially on the Atchafalaya Bridge. Uh, you'll have one posted up doing radar, and then the other one's a chase vehicle. Yeah. So the one who clocks you is supposed to be the one that signs the ticket. So, yeah, yeah he, he's supposed to come around, and when that trooper hands you the ticket, it's supposed to be that other trooper signature on it. So how does the airplanes work? Then? Airplanes, basically, they get low enough, or they have a equipment enough to where they can read that license plate, and it's kind of like the stoplight cameras. Yeah. They read your license plate, and then there's marks on the road, and they, they – clock you at one or they start the timer at one and then they stop the timer at the next mark and whatever that reading however many seconds it is that's how they can determine how fast you're going yeah so the lines a lot of people don't know this too the the lines on the road are consistent in length and consistent in space yeah if you see for that very reason so you can if, if you get used to looking at them dotted lines crossing at 55 miles an hour and then you bump up to eighty. You can see how much quicker they're going. You can get used to that. And well, and you'll see, you'll see. Like I know, I saw one in Oklahoma, and I know they're in the Southwest. You'll see uh, area patrol by aircraft. Mm-hmm. There's actually lines that go from like what we call the drunk strips, yeah, uh, over to the edge of the shoulder. Oh, okay, and that's your mark, like start mark, Makes stop sense, mark. Yeah. And so that when they time that, it's like, oh wow. But but it's like to me, it's like a traffic light camera. Yeah. They got your plate. They're going to send you the ticket. It yeah. doesn't matter who's driving it. Yeah. yeah. The thing is with, with the aircraft approach versus the the stoplight camera, you can fight stoplight cameras pretty easy because it's a machine. Yeah. That's humans behind that one. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot harder to fight that. Yeah. So. That's, I've always wondered, you know, like I always said, I'm going to get a cop on here one day on a grilling, but, you know, like. <laughs> And I'll answer what I do know and what I don't know. I'm going to be like, I'm just as curious as you are to that one. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to get too far down, but the, the one thing that I've always thought was funny is how I can get a ticket for speeding, but cops can speed without getting like they, if the speed limit is 25 down my street, I live on port street in Deritter mm-hmm. and it is a street that is used by the police to avoid those two red lights. Right. Right. And they will fly down that street with no lights and no sirens. They're not supposed to. And in all honesty, and I'm as just as guilty of it as they are. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, uh, especially when you're in a, a patrol unit, uh, when you do respond to emergencies, it's like a fire That's truck. the last thing you're thinking about. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I drove fire trucks for years with a with a volunteer fire department. You know, once you get behind that fire truck, you're just you got your foot on the floor. Yeah. Simply because you're pulling, you know, five thousand gallons of water behind you. It takes a minute to get it moving. Yeah. But um, I've done it in my unit, and if I think about it, I'll, I'll check up. And then there's times that, like, I got a call. I come home for lunch, and literally walked in the door, and they were calling me, and they said, "We need you to do a welfare check on so and so." And it's back in Rosemont. So I called dispatch on the phone and I said, look, I just walked in my house to eat lunch. It's going to be a minute before I get there. He's like, oh, that's fine. You know, it's just a welfare check. But at the same time, when you get welfare checks, usually that's a family member that's concerned about someone. And, you know, welfare checks and honestly, especially if it's for the elderly, you might come across someone who's deceased. Yeah. So there is a, a little bit of a... Uh, impulse there yeah, to try to, hurry, to get yeah, yeah to hurry um, and and you know I did that earlier and I, and when when they called me I was passing I think Walmart and they said oh you can disregard 1022 and I was like okay so I got out of it and just kind of tooled on back into Rose Pine I told my wife I said no <laughs> I'm just gonna see if I can uh, do some traffic because they just killed lunch for me, you know. Yeah, I got yeah, my lunch, adren- lunch. I got my adrenaline pumping, so yeah, lunch is messed up. I had a friend uh, that I used to work with who's a sheriff's deputy in in Clayton, Georgia, uh, named Corey, and he told me that the reason that they do that is because once the lights come on, then everybody gets in their way. Mm-hmm. He said oh. it's the opposite. Where you would think the lights come on, they would run, they'd get out of your way. He said it seems like as soon as the lights come on, everybody just hops in your way, so it's faster to go without the lights and i said well yes however <laughs> you know what well, you're it's just it's just whatever we well, and i think a part of that's perception because there's times yeah. true true very true yeah there's times when you know you got to get to point a to point b the fastest time possible you know within safety limits and that's when it seems like you're having to dodge you know the i hate to be stereotypical but the grandmother that just drives from her house to church every day yeah. or every sunday but that's what it feels like. Uh, it's not so bad we're in Rose Pine, simply because we have a major highway. We have four lanes, five lanes once you get into town. So uh, people tend to yield better. And then you you do have the turning lane if you have to to get around traffic. You do yeah. have that available too. So have you ever seen the pictures in Germany? How if there's like a traffic jam, everybody goes to the outside so they if you're in the right like lane chevrons. well no they just pull over mm-hmm. and they leave the center of the road open for emergency vehicles and i always think you know, that's brilliant but that'll never happen in america everybody's too like if they would see that opening they would hop in it and drive down there well know? i was amazed i did some time did some time so i went to prison i was doing some <laughs> training in um not tampa across the bay um pinellas park Oh, that's where we worked at Hurricane Irma. Yeah, and we were doing training for uh, FPNL, I think. I don't remember now. That was Duke back then when I was there. But yeah. Anyway, I was training these guys to pull meters there, and what amazed me because Tampa is the largest at that time was the largest city I'd ever stayed in any length of time. Yeah. And in front of my hotel, there is literally seven lanes of traffic. It's crazy, isn't it? It, it? It is, but they are some of the most courteous drivers I've watched turn signals which you know we don't ever see here and i'm like i was actually talking to a guy one of the guys i was training he's like no he said he said tampa pinellas park st pete he said those cops are death on turn signals you don't use it you're getting pulled over if there's one in the area and he says that kind of reinforcement's been brought up and brought up and brought up and he said He's a, is not like that in Louisiana. I'm like, dude, we, we're lucky to have roads to drive on in Louisiana. <laughs> I said, you know, uh, no. And, and, and in all honesty, me being by myself on a shift all, pretty much all day, uh, my backup is a sheriff's office at least 15 minutes away. Those kind of infractions, we just don't ticket simply because yeah. we don't. You know, like I pulled a guy over today. Yes, he was speeding, but he's so friendly and, you know, he, he, he was, you know, very compliant and i'm like okay well look i'm gonna cut you a break you know i see your mirrors broken here on the on the driver's side and by law you're supposed to, that's the only mirror you're supposed to have is that one on your driver's side door um 
I'm going to write you for that and, and give you a warning on the speed. And that way it's not a moving violation. That way yeah. it's not, it doesn't affect your insurance. And he was just like amazed. And I'm like, well, you're still getting cited. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, take yeah. me wrong. You still get a fine. And the ironic thing is that fine may even be higher than, higher than the speeding ticket would have been, but it doesn't affect it does. the long term. Right. Yeah. So he was happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you find being a police officer fits with your history of, of trying to be a servant. Yes. And that's what makes you happy at the end of the day. You find yourself in that model of of being being a servant and it makes you happy at the end of the day. I mean there's no way to say. And with church though, how do you where where have you where's your experience in in being a servant in the ministry or in the kingdom? Where do you Well, Cause, well, real quick, because there's some people who are active in church doing it, and there's some people who are just doing their kingdom job right. in the real world job, and that is, and God does that, and I'm not saying that's not, I don't want to, I don't want to go there, because there's people who are nurses and doctors and law enforcement and fire department who are doing their secular job, but that is also their kingdom what, work. Their kingdom work. Yeah. Um, so I'm, and and so is there anything in the church side? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's um, go that way. Well. And I'm just getting back into it now since we were doing outside services. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's running the soundboard. Yeah, I was running the soundboard. That's yeah, not, right. I <laughs> um, and I did that. The church we, we came from, uh, me, Joe, Luke, a, a lot of us came from, I was over that ministry with sound, lighting, uh, audiovisual. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and, and truth be known, uh, I was burnt out. I even re- at one point – because of my physical health then, and I know it doesn't look like it now, um, but my I was on a cane a lot of the times. Um, I went to I went to church in a lot of pain a lot of times, and I I, I was at for five years with very few missed Sundays. That's what I did. I operated that soundboard, and and for a good part of that time, I was in charge of everyone. So if something went wrong, pastor was coming to me. Yeah, uh, and I did not mind it because if it was <clears throat> if it was something, I mean, we knew each other well enough. If I told them I can't fix it, that means I've tried everything. So, but I was when I, I was talking to Pastor Vic when we got here to Christway, and I and and Joe Tuye had already forewarned me. He says, you know, you need to take a time of rest. He said you have to balance it back out because you've driven and you've you've pushed and you've done this for so long. And and it wasn't the church that was causing my physical pain. It was the job I had at the time, just sitting for eight hours a day. I can't, because of my back, because of my legs, I can't do that. And it just all accumulated at the same time. And I, I left that job July of 18, and we started going to Christway in December of 18. So this has been a season of rest, and I've had very few issues since yeah. then. Physically, anyway. I mean, there's days I do hurt, and there's days my wife has to hook up this, hook me up to all these uh, wires. It's basically a tinge unit, but it's like on steroids. Yeah. And I lay there, and, and, you know, the grandkids are amazed at looking at the skin jumping because of the electricity going through it. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, so, I, like I said earlier, I grew up in church and grew up in um, watching everything around me and so the military kind of fit i got out of the navy and, and uh moved back to georgia and then quickly moved to north carolina which is literally a 15 mile move but it's just it's a state line there right and um we found ourselves christina and i found ourselves in really getting in the church and, re- and got back on on track with god We'd spend a lot of time away from God in the Navy and doing Navy stuff. Um, and then we found ourselves in youth ministry, um, kind of took over the youth uh, at our church. And I loved it and I hated it because I loved it because we knew the impact we can make and right. we knew what we were doing and we were putting the structure that hadn't been there. Because not, not trying to be disparaging against those that were ahead of me but everybody was sitting around like Jonathan you should take it you should take it you should take it and when we finally prayed about it and decided you know let's take this immediately they were trying to tell me how to do it right like well why didn't you guys take it you know like you, you wanted us to do it you want some responsibility on us but you don't want to you know 
And so it was so stressful at the time. And, and I wound up after about a couple years into it, we actually, we had a suicide in the group, um, which was obviously right. what brings to it, what it brings to it. And, and about a year later, um, they asked me to, to leave the group. So I wound up losing my job. It's the only job I've ever been fired from. And I was basically fired from that job for doing what I was told to do by the pastor. Right. And I wasn't happy. I was very bitter about that because it was here. You do it. We want to do this. He said, no, the kids were upset about it. And instead of me throwing the blame back on where it went, I just kind of like tried to do it the right way. Tried to be responsible, you know, and not say, not trying to make him look bad, but also at the same time, be honest with it. And, uh, and then it kind of backfired on me a little bit, I guess. I don't, I mean, it's just the way it goes. Um, but it took me a while to get to where I wanted to do anything in church because if the people that I grew up with were so easy to throw me to side because they were unhappy with one little thing without ever talking to me about it, um, if they were so quick to do that, then what about all the people who don't know me? How are they going to treat me? Which I later found out the people who don't know you will treat you better sometimes. Yeah. In most situations. Well, they don't prejudge you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They don't, you know, um, the church we came from, the pastor was in touch with everything and, and our pastor, pastor Vic is also, but the mindset was essentially a 180 from each other where the church we came from. When you first entered the door, they're wanting to find a place for you to serve. Which yeah. is great, don't get me wrong. Uh, but when I'm talking to Pastor Vic, he's like, oh, man, just, you know, go where you're led. Yeah. You know, when you're led. I'm not going to They'll take you. you. Yeah, they, they will. <laughs> as soon as you say I'm ready, they'll take you. Right, and, and case in point is the soundboard. When I knew they were having problems, I'm like, you mind if I look at that? And they're like, no. And all of a sudden, you know, three Sundays later, here I am yeah, uh, showing up at uh, – well, not daylight, but a little bit after going like, okay, let's do sound check. And I'm like, here I am again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. there's no, the, the pressure's yeah. not there. Yeah. And that's what I'm appreciative of. I actually would love to help you with that. The moment I've been playing with these things, I would love to be a part of helping with that. So, well, the nice thing we'll is, talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. The nice thing is that soundboard is all, all analog. And the one I came from was all digital, which they, they both have their quirks, but the analog, it's Smoothly. it's like it's like a record player versus a, a eight track. Yeah, the record has so much clip more clarity in it, and you can do more things with it. When you have a digital board, you have to go through so many steps. Analog, you just turn a knob here and there, and it works out better. I man, you you mentioned that, and I wanted to. Uh, I feel like I'm all over the place today. I don't know what well, it is. <laughs> I'm bad. At, I mean, I grew up Southern Baptist, so we chase rabbits kind of naturally. Um, hey, but, my mom's maiden name's Fox, and so we chase rabbits naturally. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's definitely. I had to eat a lot of chicken growing up because foxes eat chicken. I'm just saying. But uh, in First Kings, uh, chapter one, and I'm reading the NASB. I don't have the. That's what's right in front of me. If there's a King James, I'd that's, read it. That's probably, well, I That's the have... NASB. But the, well, there's just one. The King James says something that no other translation does, and I, and it really registered to me one day. But in 1 Kings chapter 1, uh, verse 1, it says, Now David was old, advanced in age, and they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep warm. So his servant said to him, Let us seek a young virgin for my lord, the king, and let her attend the king and become his nurse, and they let her lie in his bosom, the, that my lord to keep his warmth. Um, so basically, he was an old man; he couldn't keep his warmth, and so they just found a lady that would lay in the bed with him, and she was a virgin, so she's pure, and just somebody who wasn't attached and stuff like that. She didn't have a family to tend to; she was, you know. Right. Um, of course, you know this, but anyway, uh, it says so. They searched for a beautiful girl uh, throughout all the territory of Israel and found. Uh, Abishad, the uh, Shudamite, and they brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she became the king's nurse and served him. uh, But the king did not cohabitate with her. King James says, and that one is uh, verse four. It says that she ministered to him, and it uses the word minister, and and it kind of resonated with me, like the word minister. So then I went to Blue Letter Bible. And I searched that. What's the word minister mean? 
Because you think minister, I think minister. When you know, growing up, you'd hear she ministered to him. That meant there was a pulpit, and she was behind it, and she was preaching fire and brimstone. Because we hear minister, we think someone mm-hmm. who's behind the pulpit teaching or preaching or, or, or revivals or Billy Graham or something like that. But realistically, the word minister means to serve. Mm-hmm. To take care of. To take care of or ministering to someone, which is really interesting because the majority of the countries in the in the world don't have the secretary of defense. They have the minister of defense mm-hmm. or the ministry of defense. Right. right. So it's not the department. It's the ministry because it's a servant. And, so. and then you go as far as look at what's the Winston Churchill uh, was the prime minister. minister. Of Great Britain. He is someone that's there to be a servant. In the United States, we've lost that. We use the word president, and we've lost that that sense of they're there for us. Yeah. We, we lose it because of the title we give them. But realistically, the word minister is to be a servant, you know, that, and, and that's what, that's what we're driven to be. We're driven to be servants to the, to the, uh, Paul says, not to forget those in jail, not forget the widows and the orphans and not to, you know, to, to be a minister to them and help yeah. them. And, and, and even today, or is it, what is it, a, a few weeks ago or a few weeks, I don't know. I'm so lost with this COVID stuff. Uh, about four months ago, I guess it was when the, uh, the, what's the group? Came in. Oh, seven, not seven days slumber, but it was the same day that yeah. that morning. Oh, Teen yeah, Challenge, yeah, yeah. Teen Challenge. They came in that morning, and they were up there, and it's strictly drugs, alcohol, and kids coming out of that. Or if it used to be kids, but now they hit take everybody, which is awesome. I'm glad to do that. In my hometown, there's a guy who is a minister, a preacher in the Church of God, who has a ministry that is geared toward recovery of of drugs, methamphetamines, alcohol. Does all kinds of great things. He has a small ministry called the Lighthouse, and they they're building a halfway house. They're building, and his his focus is helping people who need it. And I think that as as the church gets away from that sometimes because we become kind of what can we do for us today? Well, let's have this, and let, which is great. Let's do that. Let's have the movie nights. Let's have the the trips to Six Flags. Let's, let's go to the, I loved it when I was a kid and they would take us to the Braves games in Atlanta because mm-hmm. it was something to do. It was a lot of fun. But at the same time, we don't need to be so self-indulged that we do these things we forget to serve. Well, and that's, that's my thing. You know, I, you'll see, like today, they handed out food boxes at the elementary school in Rose Pine. The Sinlaw Food Bank did. And it was all very low-key. Well, I mean, word got out across social media, which is fine, but it wasn't it wasn't presented. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of times in ministry, uh, I'm talking about religious ministry. There's a lot of times that you'll see, "Hey, look what we did for yeah blank," and that's something that's never really set right. And well, yeah, don't let your left hand know what the right hand's doing. Right, yeah. but I mean, you know, for, for us, okay, we went and painted fire hydrants for the fire department. Something simple, but it's something much appreciated by those who use it. Yeah. And you didn't hear anything about it. Yeah. And I, I like that aspect of it, and that's kind of like, uh, well, as a for instance, uh, one day I was working, I was here eating lunch. I don't know what it is about me coming home <laughs> eating lunch. Well, you're supposed to stay. Anyway. Well, I had, I had just finished, and I had just put my body armor back on, and the uh, dispatch calls and said, I hate to send you, but you're the closest unit I got. It's not in Rose Pine. It's actually just off the bypass on Lily Dog. And it was a three-year-old who had drowned. And I get there. The child is breathing. The, 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 the relatives that were there had pulled her out of the water. She had expelled as much of the water as she could. She's breathing on her own. You can tell it's, she's in excruciating pain doing it. And at that point, I'm sitting there going like, okay, y'all just keep encouraging her. Don't don't try anything. She's doing it on her own. Just keep encouraging her. Because, I mean, all my certification has been gone for years. I mean, I know what I would do yeah. had, I, had I been in an ambulance. But there's nothing we can do. We're just going to have to wait on the ambulance. And then I get on the phone and start calling Acadian. Hey, are you guys sending air med? 
yes, we are. Okay, here's your grid coordinates yeah. of where I'm at right now. I said, I've got a field right here. I can We can land that bird in, da-da-da. And, I mean, they wound up taking her to the hospital, and Air Med intercepted them at the hospital. But And I did find out that the child's doing great now. Awesome. But, and that's, you, you know, you mentioned about the world, affecting the world uh, through our jobs. And our world is wherever we're at at that time. You know, I felt like I really didn't do nothing in that particular instance. Um, there was another time at the bakery there in Rosepine, a lady had a heart attack. We brought her back, but she did wind up succumbing a few days later. Um, it's, it's what you can affect at that point in time of where you're at. That's That literally becomes your world. And sometimes it may be just that one person you touch, and then a week later you run across them and they're like, thank you for that. And, and, yeah. uh, and honestly... Uh, working oh, 20 plus years in emergency services, those are the moments you treasure. Yes. And it's not, you know, people all the time come up and like uh, offer you this, offer you that. Well, ethically, we can't take it. And I'm like, just give me a thank you. I mean, that's all anyone could ask for. And it's it's a reward because, and I'm not doing it for the works, but I'm doing it just so I can help others through a, a tough time. And I never grasped, I didn't grasp that until years after I started doing it. I, I mean, I originally started doing it because I'm an adrenaline junkie. I mean, <laughs> you can't jump out of airplanes. You can't do this and do all that without enjoying the yeah. adrenaline. And I mean, I still get that rush every once in a while. But like I said, I'm pushing 50. I don't need that many rushes now. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I don't know if my heart can take it. But when you get that kind of feedback and, and someone goes, he said, you know what? I appreciate what you did. I appreciate, I appreciate you telling me that. I mean, nothing has ever made me more uncomfortable than someone coming up to me and saying, thank you for your service, if they knew I was a vet. Yeah. Uh, or even now as a cop, I had a guy give me the St. Christopher's Medal, which, you know, I can appreciate the sentiment behind yeah. it, even if I don't, you know, that's yeah, not yeah, my particular yeah. beliefs. I can appreciate that sentiment. Um, St. Christopher. Yeah. Yeah. Patron saint of cops and, you know, paratroopers. But... um but when people thank me for my service, I, I just don't feel like I've done enough. Well, but, see, I joined the Navy, so I never saw combat. Right. Well, and I so didn't I meet, Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I meet these guys like Joe or Nick or whatever church and stuff who who saw combat, and you know, I'll make fun of them for being Marines, but at the end of the day, I know that that their sacrifice, even though they made it home and the stuff that they saw, the stuff they went through, is like. Don't even thank me, man. All I did was sit off the coast and, and but it kind of goes to the officer of presence, right? The first mm -hmm. rule of engagement, officer of presence, uh, is the fact that I have to remember, I have to explain stuff. Uh, the fact that you're there as in uniform or you're, the ship is off the coast or there's a, you know, a battalion of Marines or soldiers sitting there, even though they're not doing anything, they're there. Mm -hmm. And the officer of presence, being a cop sitting on the side of the road slows people down just because. Just, I mean, just because You're they, right. yeah, it's just, and just the presence of that. And, and if for, for, you know, the great example is that if you take, if the cops are really strict, they take New Lano or Rose Pond, for example, they're notorious for ticketing you. And there's a, you know, a lot of times in certain areas where they can get away with it, the, they'll run the drugs through another town because they don't want to run the risk of, of getting pulled over in these towns that are notorious for that. So um, just being there. Mm -hmm. is is sometimes the biggest part you know when when the suicide happened uh I, I was i was way young in ministry way young i was probably 27 28 years old um but i was still way young in the ministry and my pastor at the time was his name is brian alexander and i remember sitting in their house with him and my dad sitting there and of course they were the morning of, you know, five hours later, or, you know, whatever, I went straight to the school, and I, I was with the kids in my youth group. Right. I went, and, and they were like, well, you have to have credentials to get in. I said, well, I'm the youth pastor at the Clayton Church of God, and Justin was one of my kids, and they're like, go, you know, so I just got to walk in, but everybody else had to have credentials and stuff. But, the, you know, just being there with them, crying with them, hugging them, and being part, and watching Brian deal with the, the family, and they had to go to something. They had to go do something. Mm -hmm. Part of the whole shebang of it. Uh, and it's been less than 10 hours. 
And he walks up to him and he tells Mike, he's like, hey, we, we got to go. We have to go do this, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. Funeral home or cops or something like that. Um, we have to we have to go. And uh, and they were like, okay. And so they got ready, crying, through tears and stuff. And that's when me and my dad left. But he, I found out that he went with them. He slept on their couch. Whatever it was was needed. You know, what at the end of the day, our job in the ministry or in the kingdom is to be there for those that we love, to be there for those who need it in whatever way it is, what whatever way it is. Um, if it's busting firewood for somebody, then you go do it. You know, right. uh, my foreman yesterday was telling a story about how they went and helped the guy do something. He got all his kids and they went to help this guy. And at the end of it, the, the older son was like, oh, we didn't even get paid. And he's like, that's not what we came for. You know, we came to help an older man who needed it. You know, a guy who couldn't do it for himself. And that's our job. We're, 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 in, in according to scriptures, that's our job, and no and, matter what your job in the church is. And that's the funny thing. Uh, people, when they find out, and, and for those that don't know, the VA has a rating scheme. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. There's, there's, a, there's a pun in there somewhere. I'm not even going to touch it. But <laughs> I'm rated at 100% through the VA, yeah. meaning the injuries – I had while on active duty have affected my life to a point where it's yeah. difficult for me to do meaning, you know, just menial stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a chore just to mow this little quarter acre I've got here. But uh, what that has done, because there is a financial compensation that goes with that, it's allowed me to work at Rose Pine PD for three days a week or however, whenever they need me. And I don't have to worry about the income, how my bills are getting paid or anything like that. That's already covered. So any kind of monetary value that comes in is lanyap, so to speak, or extra yeah. for those that aren't from Louisiana. Cajun, Cajun, uh, right. It's a Cajun word, lanyap, for a little extra. So yeah, it, for it, a great example is the 13th donut, a free donut when you order 12. Right. Um, yeah. but I love that word. Yeah. Uh, Cajuns, yeah, it's it's also a good language for the invective too. But uh, we've we have been blessed, and we noted, and this is the thing that we've noticed: the more we come in line with God's word, we tithe, we you know, uh, if we have extra, we give extra. You know, yeah. even if I can't do anything physically, I can assist monetarily, like with the 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 those that came that that sunday you know we sponsored one of the one of the i say kids he's 18 um we went ahead and sponsored one and i mean that's little enough we could do and then you know his father passed away since then and and and, i mean he's had a rough patch for that but um you know I, i we're blessed to be where we're at and anytime we have discussions it's more like well what else can we do uh, even if it's just, you know, watching kids for someone. Yeah. You know, uh, Joe the other day called up, hey, I need to go get groceries. You mind watching the kids? No, nah, bring them over. I mean, and they're a joy. I mean, they're, they're, I treat them like my own. Yeah. That means I'll paddle their rear end when they get mad <laughs> and all that. But, but it, it's a humbling experience to, to know that someone trusts you enough with their children yeah. to where they can't, you know, they're comfortable leaving them with you. So for me, I mean, I get I reap my benefits in in unusual ways. It's more like the spoken word or the spoke or the gesture versus, you know, you're going to pay me for my time because I don't I don't have to worry about it. God's already taken care of that for me at this point in my life. Yeah. A little bit of suffering so that later you can help in a different way. You know? Well, and, and this is the ironic thing because I went through this period of suffering for about 3 to 5 years. Uh physical suffering and now I said, there's days I'll, I'll tell my wife, oh, you know, my back's hurting and she'll hook me up to my TENS unit and stuff. But for the most part, like yesterday, I was in my truck from 8, no, about 7.30 until 2 o'clock that afternoon because we went to Pineville, to Natchitoches, to Manny, then back to Leesville to pick up my daughter, or drop off my daughter. And then there was a call. I, I, I carrying my portable radio with me and i heard that something went down and it actually started in rose pine so i got my wife dropped me off at the uh 
at the police station. I picked up the spare unit, and I'm like, okay, let's do this. Uh, it wound up, it wound up they caught the people involved up north. But, you know, I can do that kind of stuff. I can, you know, if someone wants me to help them out, I'll do that as much as I can. And, that, and that's what I'm saying, that, that, that suffering I went through, I'm not going through it as much now because I feel like we're coming more in line with what God wants us for us to do. So it's humbling. Yeah. Now, if he would just clue me in, because, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of people talk about God corrects them with a two by four. And then for, for us, it's just been gentle nudges here and there. And so either we're, we, and I don't want this to sound boastful, but either we're coming more in line with his will for us or you know, we're not we're not straying too far out of his yeah. just gentle nudges. So a, a really really good friend of mine, Jason Brothers, said the one time that if if you're praying really hard for just let's just say, should I get that car or that car? And you're I mean you, right you know because you want to be in God's will at all times, and that car is a little cooler, but that car is more you know reliable or not reliable but more practical. And so which car do I get, Lord? I just pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you never get an answer. And he's of the opinion, I believe, and I kind of see that just because there's not an answer don't mean there's a wrong answer. Right. Like maybe God doesn't care which car you get. It's just that when you get it, you get it for the purpose of his kingdom in whatever way. You know, you can use it for his kingdom. Right. And and so, you know, when we moved to Louisiana, we prayed about it, you know, like, because that's a big move going from the Carolinas to, to here. And with all that was going on there, it kind of helped with that decision. Um, but it was realistically, for me, it was, let's do kingdom stuff. And I don't care where we are, as long as my wife and kids are with me, and we can be about God's business, it doesn't really matter where we are. Right. If we're here, or if we're in Kenya, or if we're in Australia, or if we're you know, in the worst place you can think of, as long as my wife and kids are with me and then we're doing God's business, I can't think of a b really bad spot, you know. That's why I haven't pushed so hard to leave Deritter is because as, as much as it kind of is hot and it's nasty and it's kind of, a you know, it's flat and there's not a lot to it, the people here are the people and they're great. And I've enjoyed meeting people and getting to know people. Going through Walmart today with Christina and she's talking to people that she knows, that she's met. And that she didn't know before, and they're friendly, and and I'm like, well, eh, that's kind of you know that reminds me that hey, we we've, we've really planted nine years here, you know, we've really planted. So yeah, and my kids used to hate the fact when we I used I grew up in Anacoco, which is about an hour north of here, but maybe a little less. Uh, and I mean, grew up from sixth grade up until I graduated high school, and then I worked over in the Oakdale area for eight years. And knew a lot of people. So anytime we would go to the, either of those Walmarts, I would re run into someone I knew or was kin to or, yeah. you know, was a friend of a friend or my kids hated it. <laughs> they, they literally, you, they're like, Daddy, we can't take you anywhere yeah. without you, him, Knowing enough. somebody. Yeah. And, 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 and like us the other night, uh, he was not exaggerating when he said we were there. We were there well, uh, like an hour or two after everyone left. Um, and our wives are texting us saying, "Y'all need to come on uh, on, on separate phones." But yeah. uh, but it's it's like that when you meet people and and uh, and people in the south are, tend to be more friendly anyway. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, well, I mean, it's a whole other story too. But it, it's so basically, if one thing that you can take from this is is it feels good to be a servant. Yes. It feels good to be about God's business. It feels good to help people. It's not the purpose, though. That's mm -hmm. We don't do it to feel good. We don't do it for the, the reward of it. Uh, our reward is in heaven. You know, uh, where your heart is, there your reward, reward will be also. So if your reward is for now, then that's where your, you know, that's, that's where your heart wrong. is. That's where, yeah, you need, it, need to be thinking about, like, um, I'm trying to think of something without giving off anything that's been done well you, you, my, my a great example for me is yeah. is help out in the nursery in your church if if your church will let you be a part of that just go in once in a while because most likely most churches there's a there's a rotation of about three women mm -hmm. that that are doing it 
And it's not that you go in and you're going to take over just one Sunday, let somebody have a day off or whatever. Well, I saw it happen one time where on Mother's Day, the woman who was supposed to be in the nursery was a mother, but a non-mother ran in and took it so mm-hmm. she could be with her kids during the sermon, you know. Little things like that because you're serving the servers as well. It's it's a huge, it's a excuse me, it's a huge benefit when you're doing things for the kingdom and somebody else sees it and then they're helping you because what you do is like, oh man, that's, I didn't even realize people were seeing it. But yeah, and I mean people. like uh, with uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, doing the soundboard. Now the one thing I will say about our pastor is he is an encourager, and he actually. Oh man, good job! Yeah, was not expecting it, but I mean the gratitude. I did feel gratitude towards that one little statement because, you know, it's an acknowledgement. So, like I, said, I love the fact that he's an encourager, rather than you know, it, rather than it be an expectation. Yeah, and so there is that. Uh, is that what I'm doing it for? Of course not. Uh, I have a skill, albeit you know, however big or small, and. I've gotten feedback that says worship sounds better now. Yeah. I'm not going to say that's me. I'm not going to say that's Jeff and everybody up on the, on the stage. I'm just, I'm just saying that's just what it was. Yeah. I'm not going to take credit for someone for Michael playing awesomely when yeah. he can yeah. and I can't. So I'm not going to take credit. It for wouldn't that. sound as good if you didn't work as hard. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, this is actually his gear right here. This, uh, these cords and stuff. He he, lo- he loaned it to me. So, um, but man, I appreciate I appreciate you sitting down and explaining. So I, I feel like we just rambled the whole time. But the, it is important to be a servant. It, it is. is important to be about God's business, and it is important to. And again, you will find when you do it, even on a small scale, working with the teens, working with the youth. Handing out flyers, song books in your church, whatever it is, just do little things for the kingdom because you don't think about the guy that shows up to church who has to think about all his jobs. Mm-hmm. My dad used to have a saying, probably still says it, uh, if you want something done in the church, you find the busiest person and tell them to do it because they're so busy. Right. There's so many things they're doing. And, you know, in that little church and home, I mean, 125 people was a good Sunday, and the, there was. It seemed like there was one guy who made sure there was toilet paper, made sure that there was the song books were in the right spot, and did so. Got there early, turned the air on, got there, turned the lights on, sound system, all that. He was super busy doing all these different little things, and then systematically they started like trying to take some of it away from him. Little things here, little things there, and he was lost. Yeah, he he kind of was because he had spent that much time doing it, and and then one day it clicked how much freedom he had and he was able to worship because it can become the Mary and Martha thing right? where so many people are doing the work in the kitchen that, you know, that you, it's good to be Martha. We thank God for Martha's in our church. Right. And it's good to be Mary. Thank God for the Mary's. But there are people who are good at both and there's people who need the, a little bit of, of the other one. And sometimes you got to back off of yours to help the other ones so they can do what you're doing. You kind of, kind of got to trade a little bit and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, but again, it's, it's, it's the world that we're in now. COVID's got everybody scared to shake hands. Ah, but president Trump just said that treasures are essential now. Yeah. He said that today. So I'm interested today. To really? Yeah. Hmm. So I'm interested. I, I mean, honestly, it being Friday, I don't know that it would actually changed much for us this weekend but yeah i'm interested to see how it plays out considering our governor and the way yeah he's got all these phases planned out because uh, uh trump did say something along the lines of that you will follow my direction or else type thing and uh, how you could enforce it i have no clue but you know it was great to hear that yeah so yeah actually being able to the freedom of assembly and the freedom of worship. It's well, and it's truth. The way he said it, that, that churches are essential, and they are. Be, for the very thing we are talking about for this past hour or so, the fact that we are we minister to people, not preach, but minister just to comfort, succor, yeah. uh, to the widows, the children, to those who can't 
do for themselves. That's what the church is there for, whether it's counseling. Uh, and that, I mean, that's a big part of it is just if it's just a shoulder to cry on. That's what we need to be there for. And you can't do it from six feet away. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, you and I couldn't be having this conversation much more than even though well, we're <laughs> out six feet apart. But I mean, if the fact we didn't have microphones and headphones on. Yeah. Because I talk soft, we may not have been able to do this. Yeah, at six yeah. feet apart. Yeah, and 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 we're we're grateful uh, that we have leadership, hopefully that are paying attention and we're not being duped. But I think we're not. <laughs> I don't think we. At first, I man, I was really nervous about him being the president. I was like, I felt like we had a Trojan horse, and this was going to be. Um, he's going to run in, and all of a sudden, boom, everything's going crazy. Honestly, that. If if they had started building a new temple in Jerusalem, I would have thought he would have been an antichrist. Yeah. Honestly, and I'm, I'm I'm not taking anything away from him, but I think the fact that he has no, um, he didn't have to, uh, not rob Peter to pay Paul, but he wasn't having to scratch people's backs to get where he's yeah. at. Um, I think that that's a benefit that we've all reaped. Now yeah. I'm interested to see once all these restrictions are lifted, to see what happens. Yeah. And watch this economy take off. I it I'm, I'm I think it will. I don't think we'll have that much of a. It'll be slow. Mm -hmm. And we have the second wave, you know. And there's actually somebody that said that we've this was the second wave, right? Um, which hopefully that's the case. Well, because the third wave is never as big as the second. Yeah, and we were. I was talking about someone else. I, I I mean, I catch the flu every year, but this year was different. And in, in talking to a healthcare professional that I know. She was like, well, you probably had it back in November, December, uh, since it was more of a, of a respiratory infection than it was the actual flu. Yeah. So I'm like, well, praise God. Yep. Then then, then I, I have the antibodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the – this will definitely be one of the things we remember for the rest of our lives. Yeah, space shuttle disaster, 9-11. I mean, yeah. it kind of ranks up there with them. Well, and this is – I was telling the guy earlier today, this is a worldwide phenomenon mm -hmm. that – that I can't think of anything that hit the world like this since World War II. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And parts of the world that weren't affected in World War II are affected by this. So it could even be farther back than that um, to have such a, you know, a pandemic for the word it is for such a global phenomenon is is, is crazy. But you're right. Well, Chris, thank you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. If you would, would you pray us out of here? Sure. Lord, we come to you today thanking you for a time of fellowship. And we, we do ask that you take our words and hopefully it, it makes sense to someone, even though we chased the rabbits down their holes and back out again. We, we, we just ask that you let us, let your word speak through us, that it makes sense to somebody and it softens their heart. Lord, we just ask you to take us back to our homes and let us fellowship with our families until we can be with you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening.